The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, did you have a creepy Halloween? Well, it's about to get a lot creepier. Today's guest is going to take us around the world to visit the world's creepiest places. And uh, I'm going to want to find out a little bit about him. He's a uh, His name is Dr. Bob Curran. He is the author of a book called, of course, The World's Creepiest Places. And as a, I'm going to be putting him on my couch, of course, as a psychiatrist. He actually has a doctorate in child psychology, which I think is kind of interesting. He was born in Northern Ireland, where he lives now. But in between, he has traveled all around the world. Um, in search of ghosts, vampires, the living dead, doorways to other worlds, and sites where ancient forces still hold sway. Well, where are these places? Um, why do they give us the creeps? Um, when I've, the, the book is incredibly interesting, and it made me think that I wanted to put the places in some order and um, every Halloween take a trip to one of these other places. Each each place seems has its own story and its own reason for being creepy, and they seem like fabulous places to be on Halloween. Of course, I was in a pretty creepy place last night myself for Halloween. I was in West Hollywood, which is the Halloween party um, of America, if not the world, um, where um, there are lots of creepy crawly things crawling around uh, of a different variety. Different, everybody wearing all kinds of crazy costumes. It was a lot of fun. I went to a party at the Pally House, um, Brits, given by Brits in LA. And I was, of course, Kate Middleton, wearing one of the Kate Middleton dresses, the one that I am the U.S. ambassador of, the sexy see-through <laughs> Kate Middleton dress. And, um, of course, uh, <laughs> there were lots of princes to be found. Um, it works. Wearing the Kate Middleton dress works. I keep telling you ladies out there, you need to get the Kate Middleton dress and my book, Bad Girls, and you will find your own prince. Anyhow, let's get to other creepy things. <laughs> and uh, and let's go to my guest, Dr. Bob Curran. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? And uh, uh, I hope you had a great Halloween. Yes. Um, it was a lot of fun. Where did you spend Halloween? I spent Halloween at home. Uh, I had a, uh, a stack of work on, and uh, so I just spent Halloween. However, about two nights before that, uh, Carol, uh, 
I was out dressed, and not as Kate Middleton, I hasten to add, but as an 18th century squire mm. uh, on a bus tour. Because some, some of the things, Carol, uh, I do um, for the local councils and for local charities, and we were doing a, a fundraising uh, ghost bus tour. Mm. And, uh, I took them around to certain haunted places in the locality, and there were actors there, and there were all sorts of things. Oh, wow. Actors acting out the stories. Uh, well, we, we, we went uh, actually to uh, a 19th century workhouse, and there were actors there uh, showing how uh, ghosts, uh, sort of as ghosts, appearing as uh, various tableau. Um, and, there, and then we went up uh, to an, an old castle, and there were people there as monks and various things, and there was lots of music, and there was harp music, and all sorts of things. Oh, that so sounds... I think you would have enjoyed it just as well, Carol. Yes, that sounds fabulous. And you were telling the story of these And places. I told the stories. I told the stories to the site, and I gave them uh, a tour on the bus and did the commentaries on the bus as well. Uh-huh. Well, that sounds fabulous. Well, let's before we get start talking about um, the world's creepiest places, um, <laughs> it's a little creepy to me. <laughs> I shouldn't uh, say that as a psychiatrist. You're not supposed to tell your person on the couch that you think they're creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I have been called far worse, Carol. <laughs> I, I wonder. I wonder what your mother and father did to you. <laughs> That made you go in search of the world's creepiest places. Well, Carol, I was brought up um, in a very remote area of Northern Ireland, County Down, in, in mountain country. Um, and if you could see the grey in my beard, Carol, you would know that wasn't yesterday. Uh, now, I grew up in an area where the supernatural was uh, very important. Um, people believed in fairies, people believed in ghosts, people believed in witches, people believed uh, in the returning dead, and there was a great tradition in the area, and that was the tradition I actually grew up in. Now, later on, uh, when I began to travel a bit and left home and uh, traveled, first of all, to your country, to America, and uh, then to other parts of the world, um, I became interested in the traditions uh, uh, which were going on around me, which I saw. Um, and I came to the uh, conclusion that possibly the, tra uh, the traditions which I was looking at were means of interpreting the world around us. And that's what fascinated me, and I suppose that's what might, uh, might fascinate somebody like yourself. How do we construct the world around us for ourselves? And um, I, I suppose part of uh, my writings and researches... Um, uh, I, I come, actually, from a, a, a very strong, here in Northern Ireland, uh, Christian even, uh, evangelical tradition, and that was how I was brought up. But um, 
I began to look at the way in which we constructed our world and what um, uh, the tools we used to construct it and how we responded to the parameters which were set down um, uh, because both church and government set the parameters in which we can construct our world. So uh, I suppose all of the books, Carol, uh, have been an exploration of that and uh, how um, people view the world, how people interpret the world, how people explain the world. Uh, and I think that is probably how I, uh, why I'm in the, in the area I'm in. Uh, uh, and I suppose to some people it seems a bit weird. But then uh, uh, oh, I keep saying, what uh, do you count as normal? I mean, uh, I uh, have, as I say, the heart of a small boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in formaldehyde in, <laughs> in a jar beside my bed. Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> that, that, that is Robert Blotch. <laughs> So uh, that's exactly uh, the sort of stuff I'm doing. So um, how did you, I mean, you did research to find places that have been categorized as creepy and you would travel specifically to these places? Oh, well, some of them, yes. Uh, New Page, who are the publishers, uh, uh, asked me to write a book. Uh, I have written something like, Oh, I think 10 or 11 for them. And they came to me and they said, Bob, it's time for a new book. And I said, well, what would you like me to write about? And uh, they said, uh, okay, what about the world's creepiest places? If, mm-hmm. if you had to go on holidays, and you mentioned holidays at the mm-hmm. top of the show, Carol. Uh, if you had to go on holidays, where would be the creepiest place that you would go? And I said, Okay, I said to myself, okay, uh, we can do that, but uh, how do you define creepy? Mm-hmm. What do you mean whenever, and I think you asked the question uh, once again at the top of the show, how do we define creepy? Because creepy is actually a response, and for I suspect that for many people, uh the response uh, is different. Let me give you an example, Carol. Mm-hmm. Uh, a number of years ago, I was asked to go down to do a talk to some Americans who had come over to Ireland to trace their ancestors. Mm-hmm. And they were all from uh, one clan, which was the O'Carrolls. And they came to Lep Castle, which I mentioned in the book. Yes, I read that chapter. Uh-huh. Uh, Lep Castle is supposedly one of the most haunted castles in Western Europe. Now, uh, we were doing the talk in the Great Hall, and the Great Hall opens out uh, through the doors and uh, into the inside, and there's been a party outside, and we all came into the Great Hall for the talk. Uh, My wife was with me. She would not set foot across the door Mm. uh, because she felt what she says, the creeps, whenever she walked across the door. She felt a sensation, an uncomfortable feeling mm-hmm. whenever she walked. Uh, it didn't affect me, 
nor it didn't affect a number of the guests. Some of the guests were a bit dubious about coming into the castle, but it, did, uh, it didn't affect me, and I came, and Mary sat on the steps outside. That was a lovely night, and she could hear what I was saying in the inside, but she simply would not go um, across the doorway. Let me give you another example. Uh, and this was, uh, this... Well, wait, let me ask you a question. Now, yeah. I can see, um, you know, you had been there many times before, right? I, ha- I had been there a couple of times before, okay. yes. So, I mean... Uh, and I've been there several times since. Okay. So, I mean, it may be that you were somewhat accustomed to what that felt like. But, I mean, do you... How do you... What have you noticed in terms of the people who get the creepy feeling sooner um, or at certain places and not others. Do you know what I, What have you... Well, uh, the next uh, example I was giving you, and uh, yes, I had been there a couple of times before uh, uh, whenever I was there with Mary. But we did a, a thing, um, we did a program actually in a um, an old prison in Belfast. Now, I had never been to the prison before. Uh-huh. Uh, the prison was now abandoned. And one of the things which we were doing, we were doing a radio show from it. And uh, we were there late at night. And one of the, the, the things which uh, the presenter wanted to, to see was the condemned cell where hangings had been carried out. And you may know, Carol, that um, the, the condemned cell is in two sections. One where the prisoner comes in and stands on the trap, and then the trap opens and he falls into a lower cell, uh, which allows him to be hanged. And he has to hang, he or she has to hang there for about an hour before they're pronounced dead. Mm-hmm. Now, Jerry, the presenter, wanted to go down into the lower cell in the pitch darkness. <laughs> He went in, and he came out within two minutes and said, I cannot stand this. The feeling of creepiness is tremendous. Mm. And uh, some of us were starting to laugh. And, uh, in the car. He said, okay, Bob. He says, you do it. And I said, uh, uh, certainly. And I went in. And I will tell you, Carol, it was the most comfortable mm-hmm. room in the entire prison. Hmm. And I had never been there before. I sat down on a bench and fell asleep and was there for about half an hour. Yeah. No, you, um, well, you know, I think we, I think our, we, I just heard some music. We need to uh, okay. take a break. This is a good point, a good point to stop because um, I do have some questions about that. Like what, you know, what it means, what, what you think it means okay. when, so, but we do need to take a break. My guest is the very fascinating and creepy Dr. Bob Curran, <laughs> the author of The World's Creepiest Places. Um, do stay tuned because there is more creepiness to come. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. 
Dr. Carroll is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with my guest today, Dr. Bob Curran. Um, he is the author of a very cool book called The World's Creepiest Places. And I was asking him before the break about, you know, what makes one person more sensitive to creepiness in a certain place than another person, but I think I'll hold off um, with uh, continuing along that line until the, the last segment of the show because okay. I think when um, Dr. Bob gives us some more examples of creepy places, we'll be able to have a context with which to, to then ask that question on. So, you know, um, one of the things that I was interested in, you, in your introduction, you talk about how when you were little, um you you there was a house 2 miles from where your grandmother lived and um that that sort of formed I was asking before what made you do all this what made you set off looking around the world for the world's creepiest places and I think this early experience obviously would have um been a factor so tell us about that Absolutely. Um, There were a number of houses around where my grandmother lived, but I think in in the introduction I talk about uh, I was working in Belfast. Yes, and there was a house. um, I I, I was staying uh, in what we call digs. Uh, We uh, I was staying uh, in a flat or an apartment in uh, in one of the bigger houses near about. And uh, each morning I had to walk down to the bus stop to get the um, bus into Belfast. And there was a big old house on the corner. And a number of things were uh, about, the first it was uninhabited. There was nobody living in it. And it looked as if it should be haunted. It was very dilapidated. There was a bit of a garage around the back of it, which was sort of falling in on itself. It was uh, the front door, the paint on the front door was peeling. The windows had been closed. Some of the windows were boarded up. Some of them had shutters on them. And it 
had that sort of look about it. The gate uh, which led in off the road was uh, secured with a big chain and was badly rusted. And so it had all the attributes, Carol, which you would associate. If you, if you were sitting watching the old black and white movies and you saw the house, it was a bit like that. It stood mm-hmm. well back from the road. And uh, uh, I suppose it um, uh, 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 evoked all the memories of um, houses round where my grandmother lived. The one you mentioned was uh, just uh, about three miles up the road from us, and an old man had lived there and had let it get into wreck and ruin. And he lived there with his housekeeper, and um, the house itself was... And the house at the end of the street, whenever I was going to work, because I had to pass this house every morning, evoked all the memories of this Mm. former house which uh which uh, whenever I was very young and growing up and I suppose that you're quite right uh one served as a sort of a template for the other so I began to make association because as a small boy I had always thought that the and the man who owned it was called James Henderson uh, that James Henderson's house was haunted that there were rooms upstairs now uh the rooms upstairs on the very top floor uh we weren't allowed to go up there because the floors were rotten and we uh one of my uncles had been working up there and had fallen through and broken his leg uh fallen through into a room beneath uh and um so we weren't allowed to go up there but you could hear movement now looking back on that that could be birds getting in under the loose slits and moving about. But uh, the way in which a small boy interpreted that was that there were ghosts or things moving about up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and going back, even as a man, I am talking about whenever I was working in Belfast. Now I was in my late teens, early 20s. And the whole evocation of that came back. Uh, to me, whenever I walked down uh, the, 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 onto the main road to catch the bus, and I passed the house, and I asked uh, the, the lady, because the landlady uh, who looked after my apartment lived in the same house, and I asked about this. She says, oh, yes, she says, that's a very spooky old house. She says, I think there was a murder there at one time, and it's been closed up ever since. So a whole number of things are beginning to move together. Um, We have, um, Carol, we have the sort of appearance of the house. We have perhaps an association. Now, the landlady said she thought there was a murder there, but she could not be sure. And later on, I spoke to a historian from the area, and he said he never knew of any um, of any murder which had been carried on there. But uh, perhaps a story had grown up around it that there was a murder there, and she said a child had been involved, which makes it even more sinister, mm-hmm. even more uh, horrible if you like. Mm-hmm. So all sorts of associations were or, or, or coming. And you're quite right, Carol, because um, there were uh, stories that the house, whenever I was growing up, James Henderson's, was badly haunted by the ghost of his brother who was blind. And uh, that, uh, the ghost tapped about in one of the upstairs rooms. And as I say, there were movements there. 
And he was, uh, he, my he uncle gone, worked by the house, and, and he said he never saw anything, uh, nor did he ever experience anything, nor did he ever feel anything. Well, okay, and that brother also, the blind brother, had gone mad in that room, you know, right. kept locked uh, up on the They top. had had him closed up for a while, because uh, in those days, whenever, uh, way back in the early 1900s, um, having someone who had a physical defect or w- w- was a bit strange uh, was considered very shameful. So they can cl- uh, close them up, and he actually went mad up there. You're quite right. You've been reading the book, you see, Carol. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, and, what, what, um, your question. Um, you know, I wonder, especially to a little boy, whether when you had heard the stories about what went on, you know, this blind, mad uh, brother in the top, locked up in the top room. When your uncle fell through the floor, even though he may have said that he never saw anything or heard anything, mm-hmm. did you put that together and think that maybe the ghosts of this of this blind mad man had pushed him through the floor? You could, you could say, uh, uh, you could say that as a small. I mean, uh, I said we weren't allowed to go up there, but um, I, I went up there from time to time, and uh, there was a big door at the top of the there. Now, actually, these rooms had been used uh, in in past uh, times by the maids. There had been two maids who had worked in, in, and each had their own bedroom. And the bedrooms were way up at the top. And uh, I recall pre- sitting with my ear pressed to the door, and my uncle catching me doing that. Yeah. Now, because he was working about the house, he, he came and went and worked. He, he was a sort of general handyman. And uh, he said, what are you doing? He said, and I said, I'm listening for the ghost. And he said, there's no ghost in there. Uh-huh. Uh, no. Uh, he had fallen through. He said it was his own stupidity. He had went in and uh, to see what to do some work or, or or to fix something from inside, and had trod on a weak part of the floor and had just went through it down into a bedroom below, uh, and had broken his leg. But you know, there's all sorts of connotations which can be made, and all uh, the the point which I was trying to make was that all these, uh, and and you're quite right to to make it, Carol, is that. Even in my twenties, that thing was uh, those sensations are, and that sort of logic and that sort of framing up of the world. Mm-hmm. That to me, whenever I looked at the other house and, and said, "Oh, that must be haunted," because a couple of times I was coming past late from work at night, and I heard what I considered to be a child cry. No. I had heard that there had been a murder in that and had made uh, uh, and, uh, in, in, in the house. The, the landlady seemed to think that there had been a murder in that house. Uh, probably not. But, uh, and it had involved the child. And I had and of course I heard the, the, the cry, and it could well have been a cat. <laughs> and among the long grasses or something else, making a... But all the references uh, clicked into place. And you're right. You could say that uh, my uncle working up in that room had perhaps experienced something which he didn't talk about mm-hmm. and had gone through the floor. So all sorts of references click into place and gives us our sense of creepiness and the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, um, 
maybe you can, there's, all these places are so fabulous, but one of the ones that I read first, one of the chapters I read first, was the Waverly Hills Sanatorium in Louisville, Kentucky. Of course, of course, as a psychiatrist being drawn to stories about a sanatorium. So, um, I'm not sure if, uh, let's see how much time there's left, but I guess you can start that and, uh, okay. we can, we can leave people on the edge of their seats. Oh, I think it's always good to leave people on the edge of their seats. <laughs> <laughs> you would. Yes. Absolutely. Carol. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Waverly Hills, um, uh, the name Waverly Hills actually comes from Sir Walter Scott, um, uh, and it came from, uh, a gentleman called, um, uh, uh, Thomas uh, H. Hayes, um, who had a teacher called Lizzie Lee, uh, who was very fond of Sir Walter Scott. Uh, so it came from a very nice uh, part of the world. But uh, later on, it became a temporary hospital for um, tuberculosis and um, uh, diseases like that, which were caused by the swamps around Louisville in the early 1900s. Aha, uh-huh. uh, there, there we go. There's the music. That does. Okay. That, uh, that's a perfect place. <laughs> we're we're going to be going back to um, the, the swamps when we come back. Oh, My guest will. is Dr. Bob Curran. He is the author of a book called The World's Creepiest Places. <laughs> and um, we'll be traveling to more of these creepy places when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, taking you on a tour with my guest, Dr. Bob Curran, the author of The World's Creepiest Places. And before the break, um, we started to talk about a place called Waverly Place, uh, Waverly Hills, sorry, Waverly Hills Sanatorium in Louisville, Kentucky. And, um, you know, but, but during the break, actually, um, my fabulous producer, Brad, um, asked a, a great question whether of, of Dr. Bob, um, and that was whether ghosts, whether he, he isn't concerned, whether Dr. Bob is concerned or not, as to whether when he travels the world looking for all these creepy places and, and um, has these creepy experiences, whether he's afraid that some of these ghosts or, or vampires or living dead or whatever he finds is going to follow him home. So why don't you answer that and we'll go back. I will in, indeed, Carol. Uh, and, uh, Brad's question was uh, a very good one because only once in my, all my um, probing about, if you like, has anything ever happened to me. And that was when I investigated the vampire's grave just about 11 miles from where I'm speaking to you now. Huh, yes, tell us. And we went to the place and we clowned about. And Brad said that he was um, goofing about, I think is the way he put it. <laughs> we, we went up to take some photographs at, at, at the place um, for a, a newspaper. Uh, it was for a part of a, 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 of a pageant that was going on, and, and one of the local councils wanted it promoted. And I went up there with a photographer, and we did a, a few things. And we had a guy dressed as a vampire. And I was supposed to be standing there with a cross in my hand, driving this back. And uh, the photograph duly appeared uh, in one of the Sunday papers to uh, promote the, the council's event. And uh, when I was, uh, uh, the photographer was snapping, he said, uh, the old guy, he says, under the stone, he says, uh, aren't you afraid he'll, he'll get you? And I said, not at all, Philip. I said, uh, I've been coming up here for a while, and uh, nothing has ever happened to me. Now, a famous last words, Carol. Uh, I lived at that time in, in, in a very tall house in uh, a town not too far away from here. And uh, I had the upstairs attic shelved um, for my books. And a uh, big, steep staircase. And uh, I went to the top of the staircase and was looking for a book one Sunday, uh, Sunday evening, directly after I had been. I was there on a Friday, and directly after that, I had been at the top. And uh, I was standing at the top of the stairs looking through a book to see what's the book that I wanted. And um, I thought I heard my wife, Mary, calling to me. And I went to the top of the stairs. Now, something, I think, pushed me. Huh. And I fell down the stairs and oh, wow. at the bottom, a steep staircase, and into a stone wall. And I, Mary came running up the stairs, and she says, um, are you all right? And I said, don't worry, I'm okay. She says, I hope you realize that one uh, shoulder is lower than the other. Huh. Uh, my arm had come out of its socket. Hmm. So uh, they took me into the hospital and tried to put it in. 
and they said, we're going to put you on the table, but we're frightened that you're uh, and knock you out and do it on surgery. Uh, um, but he says, I'm afraid that your body will may go into spasm. Uh, mm-hmm. And right enough, whenever I was on the table, Carol, the body went into spasm, and the heart stopped for uh, roughly a, uh, all, uh, a fraction of a second. Uh, they restarted. Mm-hmm. So technically... For um, a, a fraction of a second, I was dead. Mm-hmm. So, Carol, you are talking to someone who has come back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the only time. And Mary says, be very careful about going around these places. Um, nothing like that has happened to me again. Brad was saying that he had uh, trouble for uh, a little while afterwards. Uh, that was the only accident that ever happened to me. Uh, but uh, I genuinely think uh, uh, that there are forces, and Brad is right, there are forces which uh, operate, and there may well be areas in the world where people should not really go. Mm. Uh, in which uh, uh, we do, uh, there are things about the landscape, there are things about the world about us uh, we don't really know an awful lot about. Mm-hmm. And there may be forces playing within the world, maybe within ourselves, maybe a response to the external world, or, but uh, which can, which might be dangerous. Well, you know, the story... Um it makes me think of your uncle again because you were saying to the man, to Philip, the photographer, um, uh, "No, I'm not scared of that. You know that it, this this the man uh, under the rock. Any that they, anything would happen to me. You know that he could uh-huh. do anything to me. And in fact, you know, then you were pushed down the stairs. Uh-huh. And similarly to your uncle, who said, "Oh, these, you know, there aren't any ghosts up there. Nothing can hurt me." And then he was pushed down the stairs or fell or whatever. Um, like, do you think that these spirits uh, don't like people to... Um... Uh, perhaps, Carol. But then I have to ask the question, um, probably because I'm a philosopher, what do we mean by a ghost and what do we mean by a spirit? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they, in fact, disembodied forces or are they ourselves uh, reacting uh, to something in the world around us? Um, we can, we perhaps, um, and this is only a thought, bring bad luck upon ourselves because we have and we associate with us a certain place, or uh, we may go through a period of what we may term bad luck, and we may associate with mm-hmm. a certain place and uh, say, if I hadn't been there or if I hadn't have done that, this would not have happened. Yes, um, yes. it's our unconscious projections onto the world. Uh, we, we we may react. Um, there are, although we know a great deal about the brain, the human brain, there there are things about it which we don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not, for example, mapped a, a part of the human brain at all. Uh, we know, uh, and we know that connections are made in various ways when new information comes in. Uh, we don't. Uh, we look at the world about us, and we don't know exactly how our brain processes the information. 
which comes in, we see in four dimensions, sorry, in three dimensions, uh, height, breadth, and depth. Uh, there may be other dimensions. There may mm-hmm. be a fourth dimension, which we don't see, and which, for example, dogs or animals are aware of. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, because their brain may be constructed slightly differently. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we, there's a lot about our interaction with the world, which we don't really know an awful lot about. And could these spirits, ghosts, be a reaction? Could it be, let's say, an echo that we can pick up? Supposing, Carol, you lose your temper very badly. You are ripping mad. You are hopping mad. Uh, A lot of that is energy. You are a, a, a generator. You're generating energy. Where does that energy go? Does it go into the walls around you? Does it go into your immediate environment? And could, and could somebody in the future be able to pick that up? Almost like an old tape recorder where you, old reel-to-reel, which I remember, uh, in which you had, uh, you recorded something, you came along and you hit the play button and you could uh, pick it up again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, that's, those are interesting things to think about. Uh, yes. Well, you know, I wanted to talk about um, the Waverly Hills, but I also you oh, said this. Uh, but, uh, but, but we, you we have been getting into very esoteric grounds. The way, Waverly Hills was picked up again. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, I, but I also want to make sure that you tell us some of the. You mentioned um, in passing that there are some places in the world that are that people shouldn't go. Do you want? Oh, yes. Well, well, I can talk. I can talk from my own experience on that. Because you asked me about uh, places which made me feel creepy. One of the places which we we went to in in researching this book was a place called Alien Moor. Now, Alien Moor is a small island off the west coast of Scotland on which there is absolutely nothing. Uh, It's flat and there's no trees and uh, anything on it at all, except two man-made structures. One is an old uh, 9th century church and uh, in ruins, and the other is a lighthouse. And uh, in 1900, three keepers vanished from the lighthouse around Christmas Day, 1900. Nobody has ever found uh, out what happened to them. They simply disappeared. Mm. Uh, There is a theory, uh, which is spoken on Lewis and uh, some of the other West Isles, that Alien Moor is a a sort of transitory place between where one reality ends and Mm. another begins. In fact, uh, people around Lewis refer to Alien Moor as the other country. They say that the keepers inadvertently crossed the boundary and that they're huh. still there and they can't get back. Huh. And I'll tell you that because I landed there and was left there for a little while having a look around. I was left there for, oh, about four or five hours. And I'll tell you this, Carol, uh, on the lonely island, uh, whenever you're looking for a boat coming back, and there's nobody there but you and the wind and perhaps the seabirds. Uh, you think you can hear all sorts of things. You could probably hear the cries of the keepers as they try to, to get back. Uh, and you're 
um, imagination, your senses, your perceptions all change. And you begin to interpret things in very and different ways. Because as you say, you, uh, you can walk through and you say, oh, well, well, that's the cry of a seabird or anything. But in a lonely place with all your references stripped away, mm. you can interpret it whichever way you like. Hmm. Same as Waverly Hills. Waverly Hills is an old hospital. It's a gloomy old building. Uh, it has a long history attached to it. They said that the doctors there carried out experiments, that the doctors there were evil, uh, that uh, many of the patients who were suffering from tuberculosis died anyway by other means than by uh, tuberculosis. And uh, all those connotations, if you are closed in that place and you're on your own in the dark, all your senses of references are stripped gradually away one by one, and you begin to see all sorts of things. Same on Alien Moor, on a bleak island with nothing around you and no reference points at all. Yes. Wow. Okay, we take, need to take another break. The time is going so quickly because this is all so fascinating. My guest is Dr. Bob Curran. His book is called The World's Creepiest Places. He's giving you some highlights of some of these places, and we can, we can feel uh, the hairs <laughs> tingling. So um, we need to take another break, but please come right back because uh, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with Dr. Bob Curran, who is the author of The World's Creepiest Places. And um, in our last segment, I don't know, I'll let you pick... Um, some of your favorite ones, what's ever left in, in this, in this book. Why don't you pick, uh, okay. I don't know. Okay, the... uh, Carol, but uh, I will tell you it's like uh, asking a father to choose between <laughs> all his favorite among all his children. Uh, however, 
Uh, one of the things which interested me greatly was a place uh, in um, uh, south of England uh, on Bodmin Moor, a place called Warlegan. Now, Warlegan is a very small village. And the question I pose uh, in this section is, can uh, uh, the influence, if you like, of a person who is uh, long dead, or recently dead anyway, uh, still exert some sort of, if you like, uh, uh, influence on the village? Yes. And uh, Warlegan is an example of this because um, there was, uh, up until the 1950s, a very strange uh, reverend or a clergyman dwelling there called the Reverend Frederick Dencham. Now, uh, I begin each section of this with um, a small quote from uh, some, uh, some bit of text. Um, which I think is appropriate. And the, uh, the uh, section I chose for this one was H.P. Lovecraft's The Terrible Old Man. Uh, and it's a few sentences from that. Uh, and uh, Densham was in many ways like a, a character out of Lovecraft. Uh, he was a Church of Ireland uh, minister. He shut himself away in an old manse. Uh, uh, he grew up rhododendron hedges all around the place so that um, uh, people could not see what was going on. He kept a pack of dogs, which um, also kept people away. And goodness knows what e uh, some, uh, things he was up to. People say, goodness knows what evil he was up to there. Uh, he became very strange. He, he, he was very, uh, very bizarre. In fact, his congregation shunned uh, his church. Uh, and it is said that he cut out um, cardboard cutouts of members of his congregation mm. and put them in the pews and preach to them on a Sunday morning. Ah, wow. That's now, like when... that may or may not be the case. Some people will argue that it was uh, a contrivance by the novelist Daphne du Maurier, who lived in the area. Mm. But he was certainly a strange, and he, uh, the people round about were terrified of him. He, he walked the roads late at night. Uh, he lurked about in the hedge, uh, hedgerows and things like that. And people became very frightened of him. And his influence is still said to linger on in the village, even though he is not, in the conventional sense, a ghost. So the question I asked is, if an, a strange and eccentric individual uh, can stamp his uh, sort of persona, if you like, on uh, on a place and make the place a bit creepy because Warlegan can be a very creepy place, especially after dark. So, okay, so is he is he dead? He is dead, and the method of his death was very bizarre. Now, 
he had uh, nobody had been inside uh, for a while, although people had come to the back door and all. He he never did uh, did too much with the village. Uh, he got a boy to leave his groceries at the foot of the lane mm. and ordered everything by telephone. Mm. Um, but he apparently he had all the insides of the rooms all painted with biblical scenes. But the method, uh, method of his, or the uh, circumstances of his death were bizarre because he, was, he had been dead for three days before anybody found him. Uh, and he lay at the foot of the stairs with a look of great terror on his face. Now, okay. he had a library full of ancient books, and his brother came and burned every one of them, plus old papers that he had kept about. So there's all sorts of stories about him, or, uh, perhaps from, almost from a Lovecraftian tradition, and that tradition lingers on even in the village today. Yes, like that there was some otherworldly creature that, that he saw uh, that, or that, that came from his... he drew down all sorts of forces... All sorts of evils. Mm. Uh, it was like what Brad was saying, that uh, people in the village attribute their own personal misfortunes, even today, to mm. Frederick Densham, huh. who, uh, even though he died in the 1950s. So, uh, and there are people who say that the village has never th- uh, thrived. They pulled down uh, the old rectory where he lived and built flats on them. Huh. Uh, some of the, a lot of the flats were never taken up and, and still remain unoccupied. So, uh, although I think uh, some of them are now being occupied eventually, but uh, uh, for a long time his, uh, his persona dominated the ancient village. Hmm. So, like that, he was using his library and his house, um, you know, his various rooms. To, to call down these evil spirits. Well, uh, nobody knows what he was up to, but it is thought that he, he was greatly interested in the mysteries of the East mm. uh, because he had been a missionary in the East. Mm. Uh, but he was greatly, uh, and, um, which was strange for a Church of England clergyman. He, mm. had, he had been born into a Methodist house, mm. and, but he stood outside on a Sunday morning and harangued the Methodists and, and called down all manner of evils on them. Huh. Um, because he thought that they were deviating from the true church. Um, but um, in his rooms, he is supposed to perhaps have... Uh, it is known that he practiced yoga and all, which in the 1950s in England was a bit strange anyway. Uh-huh. We, we may not think it's strange today, right. but um, it was strange then. And he practiced, as I said, that he practiced diabolical spells. And perhaps, perhaps, um, uh, some of the portrayals in some of the M.R. James um, uh, stories, particularly the casting of the runes, may have been based uh, around. Uh, the, the story itself was not based on him, but the, the portrayals of uh, Mr. Carswell, who appears in, in the story, may well have been based on Densham. Wow, this is all fascinating stuff. <laughs> um it's it, you know because it really does uh there really aren't any clear answers and it does make you wonder about how much uh, is how much is 
um, actual uh, spirits or mythology or ghosts or or all of these things um, versus how much is our own mind projecting some of our fears? Absolutely. And, and uh, people have come on to me, um, uh, so radio interviewers, and said, Bob, uh, do you think that ghosts exist? Mm-hmm. And I have said, do you think ghosts exist? <laughs> and they said, yeah, maybe. And I said, well, then ghosts exist because they exist <laughs> in your world. Uh-huh. Uh, you construct the world for yourself, and you build in a number of things for yourself. Yeah, you exist certainly within certain parameters which may be set for you by your government, by your faith, by your social circumstances. But you exist within those parameters and within those parameters you construct your own version of reality. Yeah. Uh, you ask me what is creepy? Uh, what may be not creepy for me may be creepy for you and vice versa. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for um, sharing your travels uh, into the nether world <laughs> with us. Um, okay. And I really would recommend this book because, as I said, it's like uh, something that you should have where you plan to go to one of the world's creepiest places each year, and Halloween is a great time to, to go there. We've just touched on some of the examples that Dr. Curran uh, talks about in this book. But um, there are so many more that we don't have time for today. But I really would recommend that you all get this. It's called, again, The World's Creepiest Places. The author is Dr. Bob Curran, who C-U-R-R-A-N. And I'd like to thank you very much for taking us on this journey with you. Carol, it was an absolute pleasure. We can maybe do it again. Yes, yes. And I'd like to thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 